Peace, y'all. Welcome to the Black Eel Podcast, where we talk about land, food, and liberation. Excited to be here with y'all today and with some family. Uh, we have Mike and Danielle from Restoring Inner City Hope. Uh, y'all want to say what's up? Like, kick it how you say what's up. Peace, family. How y'all feeling? Boy, smooth. Hey. Smooth. They just smooth. They just smooth. They ain't going to tell you that, but I'm going to tell you that. Um, so, look, y'all, our topic for today is youth and liberation. But before we jump into that, we got to start off with... Uh, Similarly, we start off with a game, but today we're going to start off with just kind of a question and an explanation. Um, and my question to y'all uh, is, what is one thing you've eaten that you could you would consider to be weird? And how did it taste? How did it make you feel when you ate it? Uh, for me, it was uh, calamari. Mm, calamari. Octopus rings. Yes, sir. Yeah, yes, fried sir. octopus yeah. rings. How did you feel when you ate it? I was eating rubber bands. That's what it felt like. Rubber bands? It felt like I was eating lead, like See, rubber bands. I eat rubber. No mind. No mind. <clears throat> yeah, what you was saying, Diane? <laughs> um, if you get the dollar pack from the store, it's I, the same thing. It's I don't know. Uh, alligator, maybe? Alligator. Mm-hmm. That was so. That was gonna be my answer. Yeah. How did you feel when you ate it? I liked it. It tastes like if a chicken and a fish made a baby. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's interesting because that was mine uh, and. You know, I didn't think about the chicken and maybe until just now, right? <laughs> that just made me think about it. But uh, but yeah, I had alligator as well down in Tampa, and um, it tastes like chicken to me. You know, what I mean, I put a little sauce on it, um, and it, it wasn't no thing. It was actually alligator tail, um, alligator ass, alligator tail. It's, it's all the same stuff. But um, but yeah, y'all. So let's jump into it, man. We we're talking about youth and liberation today, um, and before we even get started to dive into deep, I want to give y'all some opportunity to talk about what your organization does, the kind of work you all are. Um, so so at the Rich Program, man, we just um, number one, first and foremost, we lead with love, mm-hmm. um, loving on these kids, man. Um, that's something that's uh, missing in our community is uh, just love, man, joy and happiness. Right. You know, so we sure we, we try to lead with that, bro, and um. And we, we, we teach him entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. um, financial literacy, which which Brother Lee leads. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. He he's part of the rich family as I'm well. Family, yeah, yeah, yep. So um, we we do that conflict resolution, um, just just a lot of different things, um, life skills, leadership skills, and life skills that they can use um, throughout their life, you yeah. know, growing up out here. Sure enough, yep. sure enough. You know. So thinking about the youth, bro, some people talk about folks, uh, elders in particular, uh, but other folks as well talk about the youth uh, being a problem in America, right? Talk about um, there's an old saying that the youth is wasted on the young, you know what I mean? They almost get seen as like second class citizens as if um, as if they're a barrier or an obstacle whenever they're in a the space, right? It's almost like the space completely changes and you got to make all these adjustments. I want to know one. What's your thoughts on that, right? What's your thoughts on like the perspectives of young on young people inside of America, especially in inner cities and neighborhoods like ourselves? I mean, well, the, the the youth is the future, right? Absolutely. So, uh, so we whether so we, we like it or not, right? So that's that's just going to happen whether mm-hmm. we like it or not. So, right. Um, so it'll be in our best interest and our best bet to uh, invest in them, you know, to change what's going on out here in the world, right? You know, so, yeah. Um, yeah, that's 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 how I feel, bro. So, um, just just uh, really loving on them and, and paying close attention to them and investing in them. Yeah, you know. Um, I don't know if I answered your question. Oh no, you definitely did. You definitely. I'm gonna get your autograph when we done. <laughs> um, no, it's amazing, man. You said something real amazing, man. You said you said loving on the young people, man. 
And and I think when we do that, we make major investments in them. I, th- I think it's investments that we can't see at the time. I think it's uh, I think it's something that doesn't come around or at least uh, full circle until later on, uh, until they become older and do the same thing or, or repeat the the same kinds of acts that we uh, we did for them. But um, I'm wondering also, man, like thinking about particularly how you grew up, right? Particularly, um, I want if you can share with us. Of you, if you both could share with us uh, how you grew up, right, and and what was it like for you to be a youth in your area? How were folks responding to you? What kinds of things were accessible for you? What what was the experience like? So so I I, I grew up. Um, so my house was what you call like a uh, a shooting gallery. So my mother got high. Uh, my my mother was a heroin addict. My father my father was a heroin addict, an alcoholic, um, and uh, so. Growing up in that environment, man, you you be exposed to a lot of stuff that children shouldn't be exposed mm-hmm. to, you know, mm-hmm. at a very very young age, you know, and um, you know, at the age of uh, fourteen, I found my mother dead from a drug overdose in her bedroom, right? So, um, you know, just just. <laughs> CPS coming to the house, the house mm-hmm. getting raided, like just a lot of different stuff. Um, you spend a lot of time by yourself, and you you spend a lot of time in the street. Now that I'm a doubt in hindsight, right. looking for love, right. looking for attention and stuff like that. So, um, so you know that was pretty much my growing up. I moved around a lot once my mother uh, passed away, um, and then you know of course hurt people, hurt people. So I turned to the yeah. street and lived that whole street life. Um, and then, um, you know, God God saved me, man. He changed my life, you know. And also, um, he put people in my life to um, to help me along the way. Yeah. Yeah, along my journey, man. So, um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much. And what about you, Diane? I would say I always hate going after Mike because my story's so different. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was born and raised in Minneapolis, Minnesota, to a middle-class family Um Everything was beautiful. I came out here for college um, for free. And I think the big thing is, when I think about the quote that you mentioned earlier, is Mm. that people who wasted their youth feel like youth is wasted on the Mm. youth, right? Like, if you don't dig in and get to know and make your mark when you're young, then of course you think that it only takes somebody who's older and more mature, right? Right. But if you take your opportunity when you see it, no matter what your age is, and with us, like, we deal with kids every day and it's not like, you know, it takes that young, it takes like a measure of naivety, right? To go into the streets and to rally and to, Mm -hmm. to cry Mm -hmm. and to raise up. Like there's a good reason that their joints don't hurt and they don't get tired because they, they, they are the new wave of disruptors and the new wave of changers. And it's up to us to just continually pour into them instead of, looking and being like, man, I wish that was me or you, you're not doing this right. Like, they're not going to do it the way that we think is right because right. we're two clicks mm-hmm. away from what that is, mm-hmm. right? So so even though our backgrounds are extremely different, we still come together and do this same work. And it's it for us, it gives us a lot of different perspectives and a lot of um, understanding of different kind of people and different messages that we're hearing so that we can our focus is much broader right. and that we're able to kind of like deal with all kinds of people and all kinds of kids to make the change that we can make. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. Uh, you know, it's interesting, Mike, hearing, hearing both of you stories, but both of your, your stories, I think, uh, and, and this is one of my thoughts, I, I don't think people make space for how uh, the youth has been influenced, right? Against their own will, of course. But, you know what I mean? 
I think in today's world, and I'm speaking, uh, when I was a youth, there was some things I didn't experience, right? There was some things I did, like a lot of other folks, but there was, uh, I think there was a ceiling to what I was experiencing. But even still, even those smaller experiences, right? Even those minimal experiences of growing up in the hood, uh, even those experiences of uh, having to uh, watch certain things you don't want to see as a child, man, they they make a very heavy impact, right, on our youth every day. And I think folks uh, or adults who hasn't, haven't done the work to understand that, look at that as if they're supposed to be a lot further or supposed to be in a different space, right? Supposed to be like a couple more miles ahead than what they want them to be. But um, it's interesting. I, I read this poem that talked about, I don't remember verbatim, but that was a youth who talked about um, he needed a pencil. And in, in school, he would ask his teacher and his teacher told him he didn't come uh, prepared. And uh, I think in the poem, I don't know verbatim, I don't want to mess his poem up, but he talked about how he has to wake up. You know what I mean? He was like maybe 10 years old or something like that. He has to wake up, uh, get his siblings ready, right? Feed them, uh, make sure they get on the bus and get to school. Find a way for him to get to school, figure out what he's going to eat, you know what I mean? So I think that, I, I say that to say is that when you got all this stuff happening, you know what I mean? How could you expect to even have a clear perspective or a, a clear thought on what you're supposed to be doing, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's more heavily focused on what needs to be done at the time or what mm -hmm. you feel like is right, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. some some of these things, man, that these children um, are going through will be mind-blowing. Yes, yes. Mind-blowing, you know? So, um, yeah, man, so when it, when, it, when it comes to school, right, you get mm -hmm. to school by 8.30? Yeah, by 8.30. Man, by 8:30. they didn't have a whole day before they even got to school. So you expect yeah. them to pay attention once they got to school, but the fifty things that they have to mm -hmm. they had to do, and it's it's they got to be to school at eight thirty. Right. So the fifty things that they had to do to before mm -hmm. they even get to school, right. you know, will blow your mind. Right. You know, the average adult that get up, take a shower, get ready for work, and then go to work, like they don't even have to do what these some of these kids have to do. Right. You know, and then on top of that, hungry, yes. ain't sleep well. Right. You know, um, yeah. might be hot. If it's the summer, might be cold. If it's the winter, like right. you, you just don't know. Rodents in the house, mice, rats. Like right. you just, you just don't know what these kids are going to going through until you uh, really, really, really tap in with them, and then it will uh, change your perspective on it. Right. Yeah. Right. No, that's yeah. powerful. Yeah. That's powerful. I'm right. interested, man. I, I'm thinking about like I used to work with youth uh, myself uh, a couple years ago. Of course, I still work with youth, but when I st first started working with youth. I think the most, uh, and y'all, y'all, please chime in. I think the most shocking thing I've learned was like meeting their parents, right? I think, I think that was the explanation to the behavior for me, right? So it's like uh, if I have a, a student in my class who might seem disruptive, right? Might seem like uh, they're the the actor out in the class. Mm -hmm. I also learned that they have eight siblings. You know what I mean? That they pack themselves in a van and come here. I learned that they share shoes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm learning that they, uh, you know what I mean, sharing bowls of sugar in the morning. Essentially, you asking this kid to come here and sit down and pay attention, right? Mm -hmm. So I think I think what doesn't get highlighted when, when, when you paint that picture of the youth is like, whose role, right? Who's doing what? And what are we doing to, to counter it, right? What are we doing mm -hmm. to stop it? But Danielle, I wanna I wanna jump to something you talked about. You talked about um talk about the youth having the joints. <laughs> you talked about <laughs> you talked about the youth having the joints to, to go out and be able to protest and, and do the things the elders actually can't do anymore. And I think as much as there might be criticism around the youth, I think we also have to highlight the fact that youth are like uh, the heaviest part of the movement, right? And yeah. I think, you know, I mean, you talk about foot soldiers, you talk about um, the folks who want to actually get on the ground and do the work that the elders used to do. 
Like they they have to have that major role. And I, I guess one of my questions for you all is how much of the, how much of an impact do you think youth have on movements in our area, uh, movements and different organizations doing work in our area uh, when they're like locked in and when you can actually channel and build relationships with them and be able to give them some guidance and move in the right direction? Well, historically, most movements, at least most black movements, were mm-hmm. led by young people Absolutely. less Absolutely. than 25 years Absolutely. old. We don't think that because it feels like history. Mm-hmm. We, when we read about it, you know, these people, like these Black Panthers who wrote these books are old on the covers mm-hmm. because they were old when they wrote the book, but they weren't old when they lived what the book did. Right. And we, we lose sight of that, you know, and it is, there's something to be say, said about being rambunctious, like that leads to revolution, you know, because you get to a point when you're older, like, I, I want to march, but I'm tired, right? Mm-hmm. I want to march, but I work two full-time jobs. Right. You know, like, there's there's a lot that goes into it, and it doesn't mean that you don't have your place in the revolution, mm-hmm. but the actions, like, the, the people on the ground, the boots on the ground are are worn by young people and and we we forget that but that that always goes back to how tilted history is in mm. this in this country on all levels right. right you know because we think of the big things like teaching slavery as indentured servitude but what we don't realize is that even when they let us talk about these movements they they make us they show pictures that aren't totally indicative of what happened so that mm. we we aren't teaching our kids that it is babies that are out there doing this yeah, you know right. that it that it matters and as the adults as the older as the elders we have to pay attention to those things so that we make sure that the messaging we send to these kids is one that says you are doing what what has been done generationally right. like we are people of young action like so don't think you have to wait until you're 35 because then you've missed that window which is what the powers that be want our young people to think right right you know uh, th- there's a saying that folks uh, that I've heard that young folks are too young to struggle right that that young folks don't have the same struggle as the elders um what's your thoughts on that I think you're I'm sorry. No, go ahead, go ahead. I think that what we've been talking about is makes that that's not I don't agree with that comment. Right. You know, when you talked about the poem, I've been in mm. traditional at the traditional education system for well over twenty years and my second year teaching I heard that poem and it changed me, um, because I didn't have that growing up. But there's a struggle. I think the problem is is that if it's not documented the way that somebody mm. wants it documented, then right. it doesn't count as struggle. Struggle doesn't look right. It you doesn't, know what I'm saying? Right, I got you. Like, you can't tell me that Mike's whole life growing up wasn't a struggle. Right. And then the thing is, is that struggle produces such beautiful things that we want to negate and overlook what is happening to get to That's the real. beauty. You know, because if you can be great, then I don't have to worry about the heroin epidemic in the black community because look what you did. You're giving back to your community. Right. And it's so it's not that there is no struggle. It's that people don't want to talk of the struggle or speak of it. And we come from struggle. Chitlins yep. are from struggle, right? Like black cornrows that's from struggle like Mm -hmm. all of that like our whole entire culture which we were forced to create comes from struggle so for you to say that young people don't have it like you're saying it's a cultureless breed and it's not right that's because we made the struggle look good Mm -hmm. no that's a that's a great point we made the struggle look good great point this all we this all we have so this we we made it look good and we made it slick and stylish and and so much too that people want to be a part of it and it's the and and this is struggle, bro. This pain 
we did this because this this all we had. Mm-hmm. But now it's it's cool. So uh, you know, we geniuses, man, and 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 uh, we strong people, bro. Like we strong people, you know. So yeah, that's powerful, bro. That's powerful. I'm, I want to write that down, but we we podcasting right now, so I can't I can't stop and take uh take my generous notes. But um, so I'm thinking about uh several different organizations that that are that have major um, young folks who uh, made impact, and I would argue that they aren't as successful without the young folks uh, having the impact they had. But thinking about the Black Panthers uh, or the Black Power movement, thinking about um. Uh, Cuban literacy movement, thinking about Young Lords, um, Movement for Black Lives, Baltimore Algebra Project, Leaders of a Beautiful Struggle. Um, and I think one thing, and I've, I've had the opportunity to work with some of those folks, and I think one of the things that you have to master when you have an organization like that, right, something that you need these folks to be a part of, and if not be a part of, understand why you're doing the work you're doing, so they could either, um, you know, I mean, make the conscious decision to move in the right direction to make a change in their own way, or to have that political education of let's be clear of the whys, you know, what I mean, from making sense of everything I'm seeing. Um, but, but I know for sure, working with the Algebra Project, working with um, leaders of a beautiful struggle, one thing you have to do, right, is meet them where they are, right? You can't. It's 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 almost like I don't think you can I don't think you can make them be what you need them to be, right? And I'm wondering what it what are you all's uh, ways of meeting them where they are? Because I see how you are with the youth. I see how connected you all are in the classroom and out the classroom. I see them call, you know what I mean, on Sundays, right? And I see them with you on Mondays and Thursdays, you know what I mean. So I'm wondering how do you meet them where you are? Because I imagine it's going to take or it takes a lot more work than to just be in the classroom with them. So meeting them where they are is that's a seven day, twenty mm-hmm. four hour mm-hmm. job. Right. You know what I mean. So right. that's just that's just what we do. Right. You know what I mean. So right. um, meeting them where they are, and also man, just just loving them children genuinely means you take on whatever they have going. Right. On. You know. So we don't we don't take things on part time. So the program run maybe Monday, uh, Tuesday through Thursday, and uh, from what from three to six. Mm-hmm. So. We don't just stop there because we can't. If we stop there, then what we don't. Right, right. You know what I mean, so right. Yeah. And you don't discount their their voice, mm. right? Like you don't. When you're young, you think like this thing is soul crushing, and an adult might be like, "That's like nothing," right. right? Like you'll get past that, and it's not. It's looking them in their faces and saying like, "Hey, we're here," you know, like. Like, I don't work in the program because I work somewhere else also. So, like, I see the kids at the end of the day or on the weekends, and it's very much um, about making sure that that they know that we talk about them when they're not around. Right, right, right. You know, so I'll That's major. So, Danielle, you made a good point. You talked about... Uh, to, to really do this work right means you have to do it seven days a week means you have to do it even when you're not on the clock um, and I think that's major right because when you talk about connecting with youth that's something that can happen inside of the classroom but when you talk about building relationships when you talk about going deeper when you talk about being there and as Mike said loving on them right that's something that takes a lot more out of you and um, and it's a it's a way deeper connection that is a lot more sustainable and that, that holds up a lot more over time. And I'm wondering, like, you all are, are, are steeped in the work, right? You all are con- constantly working with the youth, uh, building, 
investing and I want to know at, at this time, like, who 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 were your teachers, right? Who who are the folks that you all learned from, right? Because you're you're not doing this work in an average way, I would say. So I'm wondering, like, who who might your teachers be that have given you the chance to learn and understand that this is the way to do it versus just coming in at like a, a top level, but actually going deep. I think for me who taught me before I ever met Mike or before I ever had set foot in Cherry Hill were my students. Mm. Even though you said like you did the classroom as kind of a contrast, the reality is that those kids, I've always worked in schools that were in communities oppressed by racism. That was my choice from the beginning. Um, And level five special ed. So the kids who had committed hard crimes or who had severe disabilities. But I had kids who wanted to know that I thought about them on the weekends. Hmm. You know, I would go to baseball games. Um, I would pick things up at the store. I was always good for, like, buying a random fruit or vegetable that they never saw, like dragon fruit or something, because they they wanted... my life to be a part of their life right. like more than the math and the science and literacy and stuff they they want to know that that they are a piece of your world mm. um and you set boundaries that you are feasible but at the same time you like let them into your heart and i watch mike i feel like i've had a lot of training in this area mike has not and i watch him do it mm. all the time every day yeah. with these kids yeah, yeah. um and there's a more like kind of a like you can do it with more like reckless abandon here because there's not the parameters of a school. Right. Like there's certain things you can't do in a school that we can talk about or do here right. and be your whole self. And I watch him mm-hmm. in awe or when we sit down and talk about what the day held, like to see him just naturally lean into like these elements that a lot of teachers just don't have and aren't making impact because they just naturally don't have what he has in him. Mm. That's powerful. That's powerful. What's your thoughts, Mike? Yeah, yeah so that's powerful. So this this my this this my this my passion, bro. Mm. This is my calling. This is what God this is I'm I'm totally clear of this is what I'm here to do. So that trauma and that pain and that hurt that I experienced mm-hmm. as a kid um, it won't go in vain. Right. You know, it wasn't. It right. wasn't for nothing. There you go. You yeah, I mean? that's real. So, so, um, so yeah, yeah. Um, my teachers were Miss um, Hicks. I went to uh, well, now it's Cherry Hill Elementary Middle, but mm-hmm. I went to 159, um, and I had a teacher by the name of Miss Hicks. And to this day, I'm 41 years old. I, I'm, I'm still trying to find her to this day. Mm. You know what I mean? Had that much of an impact, yeah. Because she used to, so so growing up out Charlie Hill, back in the day, if you lived out the Willows, out Glen Bryony, that was that was big boy. You know okay. what I mean? So she lived out there, man. That that woman used to take me home and feed me and 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 spend time with me. You know, um, my basketball coach, Coach uh, Mari Gunning. You know, take me get my hair cut. Just just loving on me. This is after right. basketball, right. right? You know what I mean. So, so so now as a man, I think back to the things that. Um, the people that was in my life and the things that they did and how did they make me feel? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So people forget what you tell them, people will forget what you gave them, but people never forget how you made them feel. That's you know real. what I mean? So um, with with those things, man, um, yeah, that that was the that was the few people that um that was in my life, my aunt and my uncle, but that's my family. Right. You know, I'm talking about people that's not my blood, um, that that just loved on me. And of course, um, 
you know, my best friend Paul and um, his family, uh, my mother, I call her my mother. Mm-hmm. I literally met this woman. She was my, my aide and head star at St. Veronica's, uh, Mari Oliver. Okay. Right? So um, she'd been, she been taking care of me pretty much all my life. All my, because my mother, the drugs had a hold of my mother. So right. I would go there and get a shower and get some dinner and and play with my best friend, you mm-hmm. know. And um, nothing has changed. It's so serious that uh, you couldn't tell that she didn't uh, birth me. Right. You know, if somebody passed away, my name go in obituary. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like like that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so I call her my angel, man. So so it's, it's, it's people like that that's been in my life. And and actually, I just reconnected with my uh, basketball coach, Mari Gunner. She's actually on my board for the Rich Program. Ah. Look so, at that. Um, yeah, that's so, so that's how, circle, yeah, man. that's how God worked. You know, that's what I mean? love, like, man. Yeah, that, that was one of my angels as well. So all my angels, except for Miss Hicks, is, is in my life to this day. Hmm. You know, so that gives a extra fire under me that um, I just got to take it to the max every day, bro. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. You know, it's powerful, man. I, 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 a lot of the youth I come in contact with are largely fueled by like their experiences, at least for a little while, right? And, mm-hmm. Until they run into uh, someone who gives them something extra. But like the 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 youth I know that are connected and I've been able to be in relationship with, who've had their troubles at home, who've had their troubles outside of the home, are largely just fueled by what happened to them, right? And I don't think enough of us take the time uh, and ask what it was. Right, and the truth is, I think at some point, I think there's a level that we could understand it at that they may not even understand. You know, what I mean, the things that they've experienced on their own. Um, but I think it's powerful, man, for you to to one be able to have like that other side of the experience that might be like, I really get it. You know what I mean? Like I, I come from that. Like I, I ain't joking with you. Like this is I, I know what you mean. You know what I mean? And you also it allows you to move in ways uh, to kind of be there or be the safety net or be the love before they even need it. You know what I mean? Before they know they need it. You know what I mean? You might you might foresee something um, with the youth that, that you're connected to before they even know it's about to happen to them, before they understand how it's about to happen to them. Yeah, yeah. And, and, also, and also, man, like, you know, people say you don't have to be a product of your environment, right? Mm-hmm. You really don't have to be a product of your environment, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, so just because my mother got high, she died of an overdose, my father did this, that don't mean... That I have to sell drugs to be in the street and right. be acting crazy, right. you know what I mean? So it's, it's other avenues, but what I'm here to do is to be a resource to these kids, man, mm-hmm. and show them that, and show them like, no, you don't. This is in place for you. This is available to you. Right. You understand what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Because if, some people just don't know, and that's real, bro. Like, I, that's I, I always, of course, I, I always, uh, I. I didn't know what I knew today. Mm. You know what I mean? So a lot of people just don't know, and it'd be sad. It'd be grown adults that just don't know. And when you show them, they be like, wow, I didn't know that. Oh, so I only need to do this. Yeah. yeah, you only need And I'm going to hold your hand. So that's one of the things that the Rich Program do. Mm. We hold the hand, We hold their hands, man, and walk them through it seven days a week. You know what I mean? Mm. So, so yeah. Yep. Yeah, man. I, I, that's That's powerful, bro. Hey, I'm I, see. I'm sitting up here acting like I'm not already connected with y'all, but I don't get to I don't get to hear y'all. You know what I mean? Kicking how y'all kicking it uh, that often, at least. I want to pivot really quick and talk about um, the Black Conscious Movement in South Africa, right? Uh, and we're talking about in the 1960s. Uh, one of the leaders, uh, led by Steve Biko, um, a movement uh, from a grassroots uh, anti-apartheid um, organization. 
who largely youth, right, have, have led like the rebellion against um, white values or, or, or white supremacy or being, um, how should I say it, being, uh, having white supremacy thrown on them, right? Having to live by, or have to, having to live through white values, right? And then from their own understandings, from their own uh, experiences and knowledge, they made that conscious decision to uh, move differently and rebel and, and be able to push back, right? And I, I'm, I'm wondering, you said something very powerful earlier, and you said one of the things you do with Rich is let the youth be themselves, right? You're not asking them to step outside, and you're not you're not forcing them to be in somebody's box. You're asking them to show up how they show up, right? And I think there's a lot of similarities uh, in, in your movement and in the Black Conscious Movement when you talk about how important the youth is, when you talk about the role that the youth will play. Um, and I'm wondering also, even more, or even deeper into Rich, um, what, are, what are some of the ways that you know, what, well, one, what's the inspiration for Rich, right? Like, where did that come from, right? And then also, how are you also inspiring them? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So, so when you say where, where does it come from, that's, you're talking about, um, like why I do what I'm doing Absolutely um, Because of my past And my childhood And, mm-hmm. and how I was raised And uh, once once God changed uh, Changed my thinking And changed my life And I came back to my community I saw a lot of little mics Walking around Carrying the same pro- uh, Trauma and pain and hurt So uh, it was At that point I, I, I dedicated my life To this work mm. You know um, So so that's where it came from bro Yeah that's mm-hmm. where it came from um, we're, like, we're like needs based like mm. we just started when we were dating, Mike was like, I want to do a prayer walk. And I was like, okay. And the more events we did, the more things we did, the more contacts and right. touch points we had, the more the need became evident. Like, you know, there wasn't a, you didn't need to do an assessment like Cherry Hill walked up and said, this is what we need. Right. You know, the principals at the school said, we don't have a program for middle mm. school boys. And Mike was like, okay, which has just been what he's done always. And then my job is to be like, when you say okay, <laughs> are you thinking about this, this, right, this, right, this? Right, but right. it's it's very much like he just had a heart for this community, which became infectious. And then mm-hmm. I fell in love with it. And it has just been wherever the need is, we will fill it. Mm-hmm. Or we will find someone who can fill it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And what I'm hearing is you're listening first and then comes the action, right? It's not it's not what you think they should have. It's actually what they're saying we need, right? Yeah. And that's a powerful way to move. Go you about to say something. Yeah, and, and, and also like even 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 when I was when I was growing up, bro, we had a lot of different stuff out here that we could do. Hmm. Right? You had the multi purpose center, which was like a, mm-hmm. a a resource hub and you had football which was not just Tri Hill Eagles. It was 160 Community Building, 163. Mm. Like you had like, know, four, yeah. yeah, you had a lot of football teams out here. Then you had St. Veronica's who uh, the basketball, and they ran basketball from eight all the way up to sixteen. Right, right. So it was a lot of things you had. Even the churches, man, and that's a whole other story. But the churches was the was the uh, cornerstone of the community back then. Like we had, we had uh, vacation Bible school during the summer. And just it was just a lot of things, bro. And now. We don't have nothing for right. these kids to do. And then you wonder why right. Right. it looked the way it looked. It's cause and effect. But yeah, that's exactly. all part of it, right? right? Like you talked about Stephen Biko, mm-hmm. and the difference is that the white supremacy there was overt. 
and out like this is what you do but you look at America and it's woven into our education system right it's woven into corporate America it's it's just woven into the fabric of this entire country but on like a don't tell level right Right. and it's like you can go into classrooms and you see black people with hearts for black children doing very white supremacist Mm. things because they went to a school and they said this is how it should be done you know and the thing is is like you have to have like that abolitionist teaching coming in in schools in after school programs in the street everywhere and we have to accept that it didn't just racism didn't just show up because people got loud about it like it's a system that was created so well Mm -hmm. right like it is America's gold trophy is like how well racism is created and the biggest thing that you have to start with is making young black people and all but young black people know that being loud and excited and happy and Mm -hmm. and all these different things are are who they are and it's and it's great right and and that's another reason why we 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 tap in real heavy on who you are as an Mm -hmm. individual that's what we teach these kids learn who are you as an individual because even with that you you taught that you have to go to school you have to go to college you, I mean you have to go to school but then you have to go to college and then you have to do this to, to be successful for your uh, for your for your family Absolutely. right and make a living but what do you like to do if, if, if you show me something that you love to do and that you would do for free and that you are good at it you can take care of your family mm-hmm. you don't need no college, yeah. college education that you sure enough sure enough so y'all said a lot of powerful stuff, and y'all y'all actually dropped a lot of gems, and I'm excited. I know our viewers are gonna be excited. I know there's gonna be a lot of feedback. I got one more question before y'all go, though. Right? I want to know in the next three years, what does rich look like? Right? What does it smell like? What does it look like? What does it taste like? You know what I mean? It might taste like alligator, right? You know what I mean? What's that chicken and the uh, fish had a baby? But uh, but what does what does rich look like in the next three years for y'all? Um, for me, um, just just training young black men um, mm-hmm. to be themselves, to love themselves, and show them, expose them to what what love and what joy and what happiness look like, right. and to um, to to be to be them full selves and walk in their potential. Um, and and we plan to spread this program all around the city and maybe in even um, other states. Right. So that's mm. that's what it looks yes, like, sir. man. Just yes, um, just young just young black men, um, proud of who they are. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 yeah, and in the future, um, we we greater uh, start our our girls program as well. Oh, that's so, powerful. So, yes. Yeah, so just and our um, workforce development. Yeah, yeah. So just proud of who they are, man, and and knowing who they are, mm-hmm. and proud of that. Right. You know. Yeah. Right. Yep. It's really like taking what we have, and the the magic is is that all of our partners who come out and support our kids are from. Cherry Hill also or similar communities Mm -hmm. and so it's grooming additional people like that so that it remains the look of rich is that it's people from your community or similar places pouring into you it's developing the workforce development program that helps people get jobs not just regular ones but also ones in their community so that people are seeing that there's a way to lift yourself up and lift your community up because no one else is going to. So instead of waiting for someone on the outside to come in, we want to go to different communities where we have relationships, cultivate people to make an imprint again and again and again Mm. in these areas where it is the community lifting itself up um, under structures that we've seen are working and like let them pour into us as we pour into them. Uh, uh, That's uh, 
Social media or whatever, man, they, they answer the call every time, financially, whatever, volunteers, whatever we need, they always answer the call, so um, so I, I just want to shout out my, my, my community, my home, my hood, Charlie Hill, yeah. this community made me the man I am today, and uh, this is my heart, man, this is my home. Yeah, man. Yeah, hey, look, I appreciate y'all. I appreciate y'all for coming. I appreciate y'all for making time. And I appreciate y'all for dropping gems. Like I said, I know we are already in a relationship. I know we're family. But even still, I, 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 I promise you, I find myself, even as the host, uh, you know what I mean, slipping in kind of the audience phase and learning and just kind of being in awe of what I'm learning. So I'm grateful and I appreciate y'all. Um, last thing, how we folks connect with y'all? You can follow us. Uh, you can go to our website, um, therichprogram.org. You can follow us on IG at therichprogram underscore. Um, Facebook. Facebook. The same uh, rich, the rich program underscore. Yeah. Yep, Twitter, the rich program underscore. Or just come out. And hey, just come out. And we bring your ass. Yeah, just come we, out. we here. Eight forty four Round View Road. We yes, here. Sir. We in the hood all day, posted like a stop sign. You there you go. Me? And stop signs don't yes, move. Always in the hood like Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> like Chinese. <laughs> hey man, I appreciate y'all. I appreciate y'all. Uh, Mikey Daniel Battle, restoring it to see hope. Thank y'all for coming. And, um, yeah, uh, we appreciate y'all for watching. And we'll see y'all next time. Peace.